Hello, you lot, and welcome to Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing things a little bit differently this episode. We're joined by my regular co-host, Matt Brothers. Hello, Liam. We've got no Paul, but instead... We've got two people instead of one. We've got Daryl and Jeanette from Sun Double Deep. Hello. It takes two to replace Paul. Exactly. It does. It really, really does. We miss you, Paul. As always. Um, Today we're doing Spotlight of the Movies, the channel of our podcast where we analyse a film featuring a member of Star Trek alumni either in front or behind the camera. This time it's in front. It's Marina Sirtis. Although I wasn't quite sure. When we, I couldn't remember what the connection was when I started watching it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the full front of yeah, yeah, Marina Sirtis. Yeah, the whole lot. Like, uh, Marina Sirtis as Maria in Death Wish 3. This movie, I think I've written more notes on this film well, than any other film we've ever covered on Spotlight. It, it's not. You've... Seen them all, haven't you, Liam? Or at least these three. No, no. Oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the first three Death You've Wish seen films. all the Michael Winner ones. Then. Yeah, I've seen all the. I've seen the Michael Winner trilogy. Right, right. Uh, I haven't seen <laughs> Death Wish Four, The Crackdown, or <laughs> Death Wish Five. Um, I am halfway through the Bruce Willis remake. Halfway through. Yes, yes. I will complete it. <laughs> I, I was meaning to watch it for this podcast as kind of like adjacent research. Yeah. But, well, I, yeah. I hadn't seen any of these, so rather than watch the first two as catch-up, I did a quick wiki read. <laughs> and from my from my uh, findings, previously, wife murdered, daughter raped, he was a conscientious objector, would not use guns, that quickly changed. Uh, shoots a mugger, becomes the Punisher, basically, from what I gather. And then part two was uh, horrendously violent by the sounds of it. So, so part one is, I kind of said it was like a... Like thematically, it's it's more or less it's about a, a man who feels powerless, who then suddenly becomes addicted to this avenging power that he suddenly feels, and it's it's more about a film about addiction, I think, than anything else. The first one's definitely like the most serious and the most, uh, yeah. you know, the most um, grounded. Probably, yeah, yeah like <laughs> yeah. in any kind of reality, yeah. absolutely, um, yeah. So, so you know, obviously, this this he's an architect, like that's what he does for a living. He's an architect. He's, he's an a- every man. <laughs> He's a yeah, regular guy. And um, and then his wife does get horribly killed. Um, and yeah, he decides to go on a rampage, doesn't by he? By Jeff Goldblum. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. by yeah, an yeah, extremely yeah. young oh. Early Jeff role for Goldblum as one of the sadistic thugs in the first film uh, who, yeah, beat um, his like wife to death and like and rape his daughter in mm-hmm. the first film. She mm-hmm. gets raped in the first and the second. No, yeah. she, they, they attempt to rape in the second one, and instead she she throws herself out the window and impales herself on the on the fences below. Oh, and they rape the maid in the second yes. one. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first one is like I mean, I'd say almost only in comparison to the others, a serious piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, and. But I mean, it's it's a weird, it's a weird idea, isn't it? Because it is insanely like right wing from the start. I think they all are very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In terms, because the idea is very much the character of Paul Kersey, who Charles Bronson plays. Hey. He, like you say, he's a, <laughs> he's a conscient. He was a conscientious objector, and the idea is meant to be very, very much a pacifist and stuff. 
and the idea of the films is very much say like oh, that way of thinking doesn't work and mm. actually what he's got to learn is just based to on pick the, up arms based on the book by um, Brian Garfield who wrote a sequel called Death Sentence which was later turned into a film with that, that um, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, Bacon, Bacon yeah. which is essentially it's the spiritual sequel to this but actually the book Death Sentence was the actual sequel to the book Death Wish huh. did yeah. he not write the sequel novel just because the sequel film came out and he hated it and therefore wrote his sequel novel and like response to be like, oh, this is what should have I think happened. that's def- there's definitely an element element to it. Yeah, it says uh, it was written as penance for the film version of Death Wish. Right, yeah, because he, he hated the film version, yeah. didn't he? Sounds yeah, like yeah, there was yeah. a lot of that going on in the 80s, right? With, uh, you were saying, with the Rambo author doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trying to course yeah. correct through his novelizations. Like, sort of similar thing with, yeah, he wasn't happy with kind of how they went off with the sequels, but he had a harder job. We did actual novelizations of the films that were made. And just tried to morph them back into actual. He didn't see that. He did this. Make it work with like the a cohesive the character. character where in reality if yes. you look at those you know that from the first film to the sequels it's not the same genre yeah Rambo. exactly and i mean i've got to say, i've read the i've read the novelization of first part part two and he does sort of manage to do it he Shit. kind of sort of to manages to because i read the actual first blood novel mm. the original one and when I read his sequel, I was like, oh no, this is the same character from your original book. You've somehow managed to make this work. Um, even to the point of Rambo's character dies at the end of the first novel. Mm. So they have to kind of like retrofit that. Where's the uh, Lost uh, World Michael Crichton yeah. thing, right? Yes. I was yeah, dead, yeah, but yeah, I yeah, felt yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, when I read um, First Blood, the novel, I actually was like, it's a weird one because plot-wise the film is pretty faithful mm. apart from the ending. Um, but in a kind of the psychology of the characters and what's actually kind of like happening there, um, it is, uh, it is quite different to the point that I was like, I would totally watch a new version based completely on the novel. Now, have you seen the Tommy Lee Jones film? Is it hunted? The hunted. The hunted. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't with Benicio. It's, it's, it amazes me that nobody got sued because it is essentially uh, first blood. Right. Okay. I, I mean, like, yeah, like guy ex, you know, um, military veteran. He's basically got, you know, the police are against him and, and trying to find him in the woods. And it's it's so similar. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it originally intended as the third of the fugitive films? Oh God! Like, I didn't as know in that. another f- follow up to U.S. Marshals. Oh, it would make sense. It would make sense. Th- yeah. What you mean, like Taken Three? Yeah, 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 very, yeah, yeah. very similar. I swear it was originally intended that as wouldn't, that, yeah, I wouldn't and be then morphed into something else. Mm. Um, but yeah, today we're here to talk about Death Wish Free. New York, a city pushed to the edge. People pushed to the limit, and no one's got the guts to stop them. It's collection time, Charlie. Three murders, yeah. four rapes, nine acts of random violence. This isn't a neighborhood, it's a war. But there is one way, one man who won't be pushed. Charles Bronson. What's the problem? Now you're going to die. It'll be just like before, Mr. Vigilante, with one important difference. 
You're gonna work for me. People have got to start to fight back and hard. I sent them a message. That's him. I'll take care of him. Now he's in the middle of a war. See what you've done? You got me mad. In a world gone mad, there is only one law. His, Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. First in the uh, series, as we were saying, Death Wish 2, uh, I think, is a gross piece of shit. Yep. Like, I fucking really didn't like Death Wish 2. And uh, I think that there's something far nastier about that chapter than either the first one, which, like I say, is a bit more grounded. So, although it is, I'd say it's still nasty in some ways, but it's, but there is some grounding there at least. And this one is so batshit insane and OTT and so that you can't take it seriously in any way, shape or form. Whereas the second one, uh, the, the rape scene with the maid Mm. and his, brain damaged daughter like throwing herself out the window it's just it's horrible horrible it's absolutely nasty horrible. gratuitous at least in the first film like the violence and the um you know it it to push this man over the edge you mm, know this very mm. regular guy something really traumatic and terrible has to happen to push this pacifist you know mild-mannered architect over yes. the edge into a vigilante and you kind of understand the um the need for that kind of horrible act because yeah. because it pushes the story yeah, on yeah, and, yeah. and it makes sense like so in the second one it's just like no 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 we need <laughs> like, that times two yeah exactly it's got to be worse. well there's more like rape murder and god knows what in the first 13 minutes of death wish 2 than there is in the entirety of the first death yeah. wish film yes. and it just yeah, it yeah. feels gratuitous it feels um nasty it feels like a, a kind of almost like a precursor to like gore porn like that whole kind of mm. just like it's it's just it's just gross it yeah. feels gleefully sadistic yeah. I, I think the weird thing about the death wish films is as they go on yes they do have to find more and more obscure reasons to make him go oh, totally. on a rampage. And as, and as well, like, he's an old man. Like, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. He's, he's yeah. getting older and older. We think he's in his 50s in the first film, yeah. right? So he's like, 64 in this. Oh so right. he's 53 so in the these first. Were, these were being right. made by Canon. There's two, three, uh, four, and five. Yeah, yeah they were all made by, by Canon films. Um, and and he was just being treated like some kind of royalty, like he was being yeah. because they had the two they had the two Chucks, they had Chuck Bronson and they had um, Chuck Norris. Yeah, and like they basically had two piles for their all their scripts. They went onto one or the other. Yeah, it was like that was how they kind of looked and, at uh, things. Uh, I know you can have this. Doesn't yeah, matter yeah, which. Yeah, I won't do this one. You can do that <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, he was being like he'd he'd be driven from his trailer to the set when even if it was like a five minute walk, like mm. they would literally. Like, driving him around all over the place that's like, probably yeah. why it does feel like he is just sleepwalking through this entire film he doesn't even know, he doesn't know where he's on set he's just someone brought me here I'll say something picking up a check um, we have a tiny Alex Winters as well yes little Bill yeah. five I was like, years before, was it four or five years before like Bill and four Ted four years yeah. Yeah. I was like because um, I was thinking he. Might, I thought he was just a teen in Bill and Ted so here he's like what 12 but yeah. I'm guessing he's like 16, 17 I here think, or something I think there was this uh, then and there Lost, was Boys, Lost Boys same year where he was uh, of course he was yeah very very quiet in that as well I think he had more lines in this than he does in Lost Boys um, <laughs> and then yeah and then he turns up in Bill and Ted even so though like, most of his lines in this are just you bitch you bitch, you bitch you and he is bitch. very critical of this film 
Uh, no yeah, shit. Yeah. He actually turns up in um in the documentary yeah. about Cameron yeah, yeah, films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, just a slag. <laughs> yeah. No, and, much. He, and he like he he makes horrific fun out of Menachem Gala, which is just wonderful. <laughs> like he does impressions of him and stuff. It's well, everyone great. does impressions yeah, yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... he, he takes the piss out of um like Canon Films made Sahara and Menachem wanted it to win an Oscar. And Alex was like <laughs> winning for the Oscar Sahara. Like it's just it's fucking great. Well, he called this film a total dog pile piece of shit. Um, and he said he thought Michael Winner enjoyed seeing lower class, mostly minority characters get blown away by older, middle and upper class characters. I can totally believe uh, that. Yeah. Which, well, that, well, yeah, that's like one can... of the most unbelievable things in this film, that, that we have this neighbourhood that looks like a war-torn country, and yet the residents of all these apartments are like middle-aged poshos in their 60s it's yeah. like... there's there's a weird dichotomy in this because yeah sure the gangs are like it's this film that tries to have its cake and eat it the gangs are all minorities for the most part but young, also young people. but also there's a white man savior thing going on here as well because besides martin balsam yes. you've got a lovely elderly jewish couple you've got the hispanic couple or the hispanic lady with the with the black husband sorry should mm. i say so it's like it's this white man savior and also the people who is, is killing are also mostly minorities yeah. yeah so yeah this thing starts with bronson returning to new york and he must have well with extremely 80s sax and he, well this is the thing first thing i notice score yeah, yeah. yeah. which this is a weird thing uh, the score is by jimmy page but yeah, he I was, was like Jimmy Page. Jimmy the, fucking the, Jimmy, Page. The, the Jimmy fucking Page. Led yeah. Zeppelin Page. But he was not involved in this film at all. Nope. Uh-huh. This is his score from Death Wish 2 uh-huh. that he it's did the score recycled. to. Reused and rearranged for this film. But straight away, I was like, this is insanely funky and upbeat for this type of film. <laughs> well, like, it was insanely funky and upbeat for a bus ride. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't fit with the scene at all. And it's just like, there's nothing, there's nothing here for this music. It was like, it was but, I mean, too like, much. If you think the first Death Wish film, the music was by Herbie Hancock. So it's just like, there's this, like, Michael Winner is definitely a fan of very specific types of music. There's another one of his earlier films, the earlier films, say as in the eighties, around that time where he had John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin right. making the music for it. So he had a thing for having actual, like, you know, artists that he'd listened to creating the music for his film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the opening sequence seems to go on forever. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> exciting about it as no. well. It's really long, boring, stack shots of, like, just the bus that, Going um, over the, like, the that bridge Paul and... Kersey is coming into town on and, like, it's, and it's already laughable because I was just like he does Bronson just have the worst luck like as soon his only friend in New York literally attacked the second he rolls <laughs> yeah. into town like, well, I guess I just ring my friend oh he's being mugged as we speak <laughs> he's coming to visit his old friend Johnny his old pal Johnny, Johnny uh, who fought in Korea but you know the fact is he that, in either of the first two films no no, no. no. the fact that Paul was a uh, conscientious objective didn't get between them um, and there are some horrible thugs attacking Johnny in his home. It's collection time, Johnny! Collection time! Uh, he's just getting a right old beating. What, meanwhile, uh, Paul's at the airport and he phones him, like you say, while he's already getting attacked, so they're straight into it. I don't know if you notice this, the airport seemed to be overrun with criminals. So when he's on the phone, there's a woman getting mugged in the background. And I was just kind of like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's the moment, he, and even before he 
picks up the phone, he's walking towards the phone, a bunch of like thugs like smash into him, kind of thing. So I'm like, he's almost got done over, like the moment he steps off the plane. Oh, this is hell on earth, and, remember? Like, we need he, to like, get thing, that across. It does, it does feel as if he's descending into hell. Like, there was um, a critic who called this film almost surrealistically crime rampant. And that is like it, it exactly true. Yeah, in terms well, of... it's almost like airplane parody. Like yes, you know, when the pilots yeah. come in and get accosted by all those people, it's like the random background muggings. Like they could have had like they should have had him on the bus and someone's getting stabbed in the seat behind <laughs> him, or he steps off and someone's in the background getting like dragged by a car or something. It immediately feels like a spoof yeah. of yeah. the franchise rather yeah. than it's an cartoonish. Actual film. Yeah, yeah, it is completely. Um, so yeah, the. Uh, Old man uh, clearly did not c- die from gunshot wounds, but no. Kersey is an instantly arrested because he's holding a gun yes. when he's found <laughs> by the police. Anyway, that's what I couldn't understand. They're like, right, you killed him, you motherfucker. I'm like, but wait, he he's got no saying, gunshot wounds. He like, he's holding saying, like, a gun. Oh, he's my friend. I just got it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, nah. Well, there should be no emotion in his face no. because, you know, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I will say like, this. Right. I I'm, I have you know some defence on you know Bronson. I think in some movies he's actually able to crank up that emotion notch from a zero to about a one point two five. But in this, there's certainly not that at all. It's stuck and on the, minus two. Where yeah. you'd think there would be like a moment of like, ah! <laughs> there's none of that in this. And you know he's just he's weird as his friend died. He's just kind of you know the police Red are in face. there. There's no shock. There's nothing in his he eyes. Ju- he, he just, just got fucking he crocodile. He just strangely complies. He's yeah. like, yeah. all right, I've probably done something, haven't I? Yeah, he seems to be fine with the police kind of taking him away. I was like, dumbest police ever, <laughs> number one. Like, because they must know... Th- that seems They must know weird... that the place they work in is a hell town. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. there seems to be a weird thread of running through this. The police only ever turn up to, like, have a go at the good guys yeah, in the film. Well, good is guys. All, like, this is all a reaction to the time as well. This is, like, this is um, hardcore Republican values. Yes, yeah, like, it's Reaganistic. Is, oh, God, is, yeah. You know, this is very, like, people should be allowed to carry guns. People should be allowed to protect themselves. Mm. Good guys yeah. with guns. Yeah, good guys with guns. Like, you should be allowed to protect your own home, like, from the people outside mm-hmm. of it. You, you know, if, you know, bad guys should be, you, they should pay for the things that they do. Like, they should be punished. Pay with their yeah. lives. Yeah, you know, yeah. Th- th- this is so right wing. Yeah. And, and this is so like, you know, America is for Americans. Like, and if, if you don't have a fucking... gun, screw it. Just put some spikes on the floor. Yeah. Set up deadly fun. home alone yeah. traps. Set up yeah. Yeah. traps, you know, just do whatever you can to kill those. Yeah, yeah this is a film where like the, the general public at large cheer for murder. Yes. Yeah. Like, she actually cheering cheer for, for murder. The, the yeah, guys yeah. actual gun. cheers for Actually, well, yeah. like, yeah, happily out in the streets, yeah. fifth in the air, which like, just adds, Which just adds to making it feel like, like a fantasy film set in some kind of, like, post-apocalyptic land. Like or, some kind of like, Mad like, Max Thunder yeah, 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 it does, like, yeah, yeah. when we're actually looking at, like, 80s New York, which is, like, it's, it's you know, it wasn't it, This isn't, this isn't, this is a hair away from Escape from New York territory. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. completely, yeah. I mean, you know, at the time, like, New York was poor as fuck. It was still just yes. coming out of that, you know, really, really nasty time in New York where it's kind of... <laughs> but the Warriors, this is not. Like, you know... Oh, no, that, um, the, 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 the punks in this film, because most of them quite clearly are London dancers. There's, there's, that, there's that one black geezer who is fucking ripped. Yes. And he's yeah, always yeah. wearing a crop top. I mean, he's always like, 
I can't even because this is really bad podcasting. Flamboyant. He's yeah. so flamboyant like, in all his actions. Punched, he always lands in a really elegant. He looks like way. he's been a beat yeah. at music and videos exactly or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He always looks like he's landing like Spider Man. Like he's always really, he's almost voguing like he's <laughs> as he's going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But um, but yeah, he was he was quite fabulous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, most of those punks are definitely these dancers. little punks are there. My favorite is the one who there's a bit where they're kind of all running away from something, and you see him just pick up a plunger as a weapon. <laughs> he's like, I got my plunger. <laughs> <laughs> but they've all got this like um it's a red uh red, red and stripe black cross. Oh, yeah, yeah it's a yeah, red yeah. cross with two black um, lines running through it mm. it's almost like a russian orthodox cross um but yeah it's, it's on their foreheads or their faces and you know at some point it's like why are their faces painted and it's like oh they belong to the same gang um so yeah it's like we're, we're very much aware of who the baddies are it's made made very obvious so poor innocent Paul Kersey gets arrested <gasps> again, by again. the cops and hauled in and immediately the captain who turns up to interview him recognises him straight away and goes, oh yeah, like, you know, I used to be a cop back in New York and I remember when you were brought in kind of thing as the vigilante. I'm like, wait a minute, he's not already got a very good secret identity, has he? Like, the, just the <laughs> randomness of this guy just turns out, oh yeah, I know you, mate. Like, uh, don't worry about it. He, calls, he um, keeps calling him dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts beating on uh, Paul Kersey almost immediately yeah. and says, look, I'm the law. That means I get to violate your constitutional rights. I'm like, that and literally again, is not what it means. And again, <laughs> like another like right wing ideology that, you know, our, our rights are being impinged. Like yes. our constitution, yeah, 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 yeah. like that constitution mm-hmm. from right wing America is fucking solid gold. Like you can't touch that. That's that's our rights. That's that's, you know, what this country's fucking founded on. Man. Take the power back. Um, so yeah, it's like you don't you don't fuck with a man's constitutional rights. Exactly. Um, it, he's very fast paced. This film, <laughs> like <laughs> no <laughs> messing. I mean, it's weird because apart from that opening scene where it's uh, on the coach, I, I when I was watching that, I was like, oh Jesus, going forever, so slow. But then the rest <laughs> of the film is at moving up more than you a turn around and have a sip of tea. And was it's like, he's in prison. Shit, like uh, it's really like it just moves along a fair little I mean this is 90 minutes on the dot yes. going like it does not outstay its welcome there's no time for exposition um, so as I say quite the coincidence that the cop instantly recognises Kersey but it doesn't seem to kind of you know at first he's kind of oh yeah you know you should work for me and Kersey's kind of like whatever <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? He's, he's like, uh, I'll let you out on the streets and you can go killing these motherfuckers, but every now and then you've got to let us have a win. We've got to be able to make an arrest. Yeah, and of course, you set Paul Kersey out there with a fucking gun. There are going to be only arrests being made on corpses. <laughs> <laughs> I love the looking for trouble crackhead who's in there because Paul gets put in the jail in the holding cell with loads of other people and there's like this crackhead guy in there he just the moment he walks in he's like literally shaking <laughs> like, looking for trouble boy <laughs> so fucking funny but Kersey can handle himself he's fucking like battering people left right and centre 64 years of age Charles Bronson was mm-hmm. in this film and looks it 
<laughs> yeah. I gotta say the mustache doesn't do him any favors. He doesn't no, look good in no. the no, He's no, very yeah. like I'll say this in in his you know his later years. He went from somebody who in the seventies looked you know like Chuck Bronson still yeah. like somebody who you know lifted a few weights and and you know probably went for a jog every morning to like the eighties where he, he looks like he's been stung by several bees in the face. <laughs> he's got his big puffy face with this this little like Shih Tzu little dog mustache. But he's also like he's obviously a man who smokes. Like you can definitely tell like he's a man who smokes and spends a lot of time in the sun so he's kind of you know that that wrinkles really started to set in yeah exactly (laughs) that kind of walnut face has really started to set do you know what i mean yeah um so yeah he looks it he looks like a man in his 60s which is why when that young lovely lawyer half his age i'll add half his age age. young lovely lawyer is just like would you like to come around for dinner you're like you don't want to ask him around for dinner i genuinely could not we'll get onto that we'll going with a straight so, face we are introduced <laughs> to who is going to be the lead bad guy Hilarious. for the film this weird blonde thug with at first I thought he had a comb over no also, it's, but it's, it's not, a negative Mohican it's yeah negative Mohican for a <laughs> yeah. bit I mean it looks terrible it does look awful because <laughs> he's got really thinning hair anyway it, and I it's think just... because he's so fair like he's got such blonde hair he, you can barely see his eyebrows so he's like he's a really mm. blonde like Aryan we know guy. this guy yeah, yeah, right? he looks like Aryan um, we know who this is who, who is he? Gavin O'Hurley. From what, Happy Days. From Happy Days, but he's also in Willow. He's the red-headed guy in oh, Willow. Oh, okay. He's okay. the son of the old man in Robocop. You know the old man in Robocop? As in old man... Oh. What's your name, kid? Yeah, that right, guy. Yeah. Right, right, right. But yeah, yeah. In, in Willow, he's, um, he's Mad Mardigan's friend, Eric. And he's got a beard. Oh, Urk. okay. Um, Urk. Yeah, I always thought it was Eric, but it's not. It's Eric. But, the, um, but yeah, he's he's a funny-looking motherfucker. Yeah, this guy, I couldn't stop he's laughing Irish. because almost straight away, I don't know what it is, don't know if you guys felt the same, but he just reminded me of Joe Bluth. <laughs> oh my god yeah, what, yeah. What is it, uh, Joe yeah. so he's got quite a Will Arnett-y face but, yes. but more than that it was Joe, the character Joe I was like if Joe ran a gang this is what it would be <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joe, I, I, just I, think you're, I think you're right I think you're right he reminded me of um, Gary Busey's son Oh, Jake Bosé. Yeah, Jake. Jake, Jake Bosé. Uh, he reminded me of him a bit, but without the teeth. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that kind of very blonde. Like, um, but yeah, he's he's a funny looking guy. My housemate him. walked in at one point. And went, is that Paul Bettany? And I was like, he'd play him in the remake. Now, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he takes an instant disliking. I, to I do kind of like this moment, the bit where it kind of cross cuts between close ups between the two of them. It, it gave very what's a time other. in the West vibes, and I was like, okay, yeah, get up close on Bronson. He's still got the magic. Like yeah, this is the only time this film's ever going to be compared to Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, but yeah, he takes an instant dislike to him, and as he's on his way out, he tells everyone, uh, Bronson, everyone, that yeah. he's going to kill a little old lady just for him. And to which I was when I was watching, it, I was like, "Why do you think he cares?" Like, <laughs> as in it, it makes it seem as if he knows he's a vigilante as well already in terms of he's saying like oh you wouldn't like that if i killed a little old lady but i'm like wait he's just another guy in jail he's like this old man just annoyed me just go yeah great like uh we're all all criminals he might be in there for killing little old ladies (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking why is he he never follows through on that (laughs) no Uh, yeah yeah, I was like, why are they letting this guy out? He's admitting <laughs> yeah, to future crimes. He just threatened to murder an old lady. See, like, that's where, the, that's, right that's where this parody is... would happen, where he'd turn around, there'd be a cop there going, back in you go. He's like, <laughs> this oh. is something that, like, I, re- I misremember this again, because the first time I saw this was, like, 2014, and all the while I'm like, 
at some point there's got to be a reveal where he's the son of the male or something and it's going to be like a, an age kind of thing right. and I thought there was going to be that kind of otherness about him which is why he's untouchable which is why his fucking lawyer manages to get him off when he's clearly murdering people left and right no and it just turns out it's just a shoddy screenplay yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he does tell everybody where his turf is as well it's this um, you know the, these this this block isn't it yes. that, that's, that's yeah, yeah. my turf yeah, yeah. Uh, come and see me um, so yeah, he tells everybody like he's he's the leader of the gang. That's his that's his turf. Yeah, and it just so happens to be where all of the worst crimes in the city are happening. Of course, and uh, Kersey in the end, he does sort of come to a weird agreement with the uh, kind of corrupt cop, doesn't he? To kind of you know basically start kind of sweeping up the crime in the area and the guys kind of, kind of help him out. Like it reminded me really strongly. Have you ever seen Outlaw? the Nick Love film with Danny Dyer and Sean no, Bean. No, then no. And Lenny James, <laughs> where basically it's, it's, it's basically modern day Death Wish, uh, where Sean Bean is um, an army officer. He comes back um, from, like, you know, uh, foreign climbs and uh, instantly kind of gangs up with Danny Dyer and Lenny James and some other people to become a like, vigilante group, and they start kind of like, you know, killing bad guys and stuff. And Bob Hoskins uh, plays a corrupt cop who basically feeds uh, them like criminals oh. and stuff like that. And there's a bit where he says... I'm here to help you, Brian. I'll feed you pedophiles, dealers, bullies... And cunts. <laughs> and I, was just like, I, was like, I was like, what qualifies as a cunt? Like, uh, is that like you know, just some bloke who looked at you the wrong way in a pub once? Hey, I may be a pedophile, but I ain't no cunt, all right? <laughs> uh, just, it really reminded me of that relationship. Um, and yeah, and we do get Alex Winter cameoing and he, as he actually leaps on the front of Marina Sirtis' car. Yeah, he really, is... he really wants to. He takes a liking to her. And yeah, here yeah, she yeah. is, a cockney lady in brownface. She is in brownface. She's yeah. Grecian, isn't she? Yeah. She's in brownface. She's, she's like totally. playing... She's playing Latina. Yeah. yeah. But is she in... Brown. She's, yeah, they, they she's have brown brown up. her up. Yeah. She is, they, she is they, completely black down and a half. heavily tanned her, yes. I didn't, I've got yep. to say, I did not even Mate, notice. we sat a foot away from I her know, watching her perform. She's a white lady. I was like, maybe she's not as tan now. <laughs> like, no. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. they're going proper like, you know, yeah, Latina with this. Oh, well, yeah. This is what we should mention. We we literally saw Marina Sirtis on stage uh, in the West End, uh, literally earlier this year. Trafalgar Studios. In Dark Sublime. Uh, which was a play directed by Andrew Keats, a uh, friend of the podcast, who will be on the podcast at some point um, in the next year. Um, great theatre uh, director and big Star Trek fan. So he has kind of made it his life to make sure he works with some of his heroes. Mm. So he cast Marina Sirtis in the lead of this play where she plays an ageing sci-fi actress. Uh, and although the the sci-fi show she was in was far more kind of like Blake Seven type yeah, yeah. thing than a kind of major Star Trek, like a kind uh, of one-off from the eighties or something. Yeah, and it kind of flits between her now as this actress, kind of you know going through a bit of a midlife crisis to um, her being an actual kind of scenes mm. of the sci-fi. It was a really show. good play. It really it kind of really, really, really kind of looks at the line between fandom and friendship. So the the main plot line is kind of she befriends this very young 
uh, fan who's kind of interviewing her for a podcast and stuff and setting up like a fan convention. And he's going, she's just lonely and kind of gets him keep coming around to chat and he becomes really good friends. But it's the line between like, are yeah, we friends? Sort of blurred, or, isn't it? And it's, yeah, it examines that really well. Yeah, that was really interesting actually because of the fact that her character is clearly like either bisexual or lesbian in it, isn't she? Mm. And he you get the impression he's gay. Yeah. But at the same time, their relationship is still weird because of the fact of the age difference and also the power dynamics. Yeah. And she was really, really good in it. But the weirdest takeaway for us was to hear her like really strong car, London car accent. Sounded exactly like like my auntie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Literally sounded like some of mine as well. And we were like sitting in the front row. She was right there. It's just, it was after seeing her as Troy in Star Trek for so long. We're like, we were what? so close we could smell the frazzles. The prop, yes. the prop bowl the of frazzles. frazzles. We were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yes. like, give us those frazzles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really... Give me those frazzles. It, it was really, really good. Um, but so it was nice to see her here again. Although she's practically mute yeah, for most really of talk. the film. No. Like, this is like, she was... Prior to this, uh, she was in Michael Winner's film The Wicked, uh, Lady. The Wicked Lady, where she also... Um, reveals yeah uh, a lot yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's not a, named in that film though well she does term. have a name here so she's st- heading up that imdb <laughs> kind of you know yeah. she's going from unnamed character to i think I she's must say, i think i get the impression that um winner just likes women to be topless in his movies um, uh, and in distress and in distress mm. yes like damsels in distress with no tops on this mm. is this is how he likes to show that a woman's vulnerable is to have her have her tits out yeah the um, amount of random like female victims of crime in this that Kirsty either saves or tries to save or run after and it happens to Sirtis twice in like 10 minutes I think yes. mm. two different kind of attacks and he saves her couple times one of the one of the girls that uh, the gang tries to carry off um that's michael and his girlfriend at the time yeah sandy grizzle Mm. uh who's the lady who's getting pulled out of a house at the end by gang members members. the large-breasted black lady yes and with um, good hair yeah like brilliant like lovely long braids with blonde bits at the end she's she's pretty amazing who said that apparently said that winner liked to whip her at home and treated her like a sex slave like which doesn't which would fit in with the wicked lady because the big Marina Sirtis scene mm-hmm. The Wicked Lady is of her being like whipped, whipped by Faye Dunaway like you know with and like topless everything like that and I think she managed to grab the whip at some point and turn it on Dunaway or whatever like and that was like the big selling point in the film basically see I'm not kink shaming <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah in any way like whatever tickle should pickle but um, I don't think they were into it that's the no. problem like, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, no exactly um, but yeah it's just it's a very strange kind of um, pattern where you're just like oh so women have to be topless and screaming um you know in your movies that seems we to be... never see paul kersey topless and screaming at this so that if <laughs> well, they we see him half topless yeah. at one point, he isn't screaming at the time no, <laughs> no because he's just uh he he's can't just... muster that energy no no no, no. no he's just had, to, just had sex for the first time in 20 years <laughs> and uh you know with this beautiful woman half his age he just can't get enough literally of half his age that. she was yeah, my, 32 my, my yes. note here literally says no way that lawyer would ask bronson out her literal dad <laughs> 
absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the scene where Alex Winter is on the front of Marina Sirtis's car and she kind of... Fair play to her. She just fucking drives off yeah, yeah. on the front of the bonnet. And then she st- she breaks and he goes fucking flying off. Yeah. And then Paul comes out of nowhere and saves her and uh, twats... Um, uh, was it Bill? It was Bill. Bill and Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah. And that is minimally exciting at that point. <laughs> and I was at, now. This is the thing, right? Is this film did wrong foot me quite a lot of times because at the beginning with the uh, opening sequence, I was like, "Oh, this is really slow," and then it really picked up its pace. And I was like, "Oh, okay, it's moving really fast." And then at this point, this is like the first bit of action that really mm-hmm. happens, I guess. And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then from there, pretty much, it's a non-stop fucking rampage. Yeah. <laughs> like, in terms of excitement, I mean, it really uh, picked up. I mean, I actually quite liked it that they did remind us that Kersey used to be a conscientious objector. It was a nice reminder of his kind of liberal past mm. um, that he did used to be a different character. And that kind of happens again later on where uh, he talks to the female lawyer about how he lost his wife and everything like that he seems far more bothered about his wife than his daughter mm. he kind of goes into a big soliloquy about his wife dying and then he just goes oh, I had a daughter as well <laughs> don't worry about it yeah <laughs> like because I think you know the wife suffered for a short amount of time whereas the daughter she was like catatonic and yeah. then like just as she was starting to be re- you know reacclimatized she rehabilitated attempted rape and committed suicide so I was like yeah maybe, maybe it's a bit more painful him talking about his daughter I don't know maybe it's just a bad maybe screenplay. yeah maybe that's it <laughs> maybe like, it's you know, just terrible yeah maybe they just don't want to remind us of Death Wish 2 I don't know <laughs> Um, but yeah, so quite quickly things escalate because it's kind of like, is Kersey going to stick Well, he around? meets Martin Balsam, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah And that's, yeah, yeah. you know, Martin Balsam, who in this film, I, I, I could have gone to my head, I said, 85? No, he's two years older than... Um, than Chuck Bronson in this film. He's 66. Which is mad, because he is played as a proper old man. He looks like a proper old man. <laughs> like, compared, like, fucking, like, Bronson looks spry in comparison. Yeah. It's, it's like, the only time he's ever looked yeah. spry. And they, and they put a leather jacket on him to kind of make him look cool. Yes. Um, yeah, which yeah. Is just he like, looks mate. like such a kind of old man trial be cool. <laughs> well, it's yeah, one of those actually. pleather jackets, isn't it? Yeah, it's not uh, a real leather guy is this? Bennett, the the, the guy neighbor, like his mate. the neighbor, the guy the neighbor, with the not fuck his mate. off guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. the guy who's basically like the news agent from Paperboy. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Bruvs once wrote kind of like a spec, uh, kind of short film called Paperboy, <laughs> where the idea was it was basically going to be Taxi Driver, but if he was Paperboy. <laughs> and I said, like, I came up with this idea. I was like, the the news agent he works for should get. <laughs> killed by thugs and that's the catalyst oh, so like okay. make a, but as he's dying he should leave him or leave him in the will he's actually got an entire lockup of guns <laughs> like <laughs> randomly and it was like this guy who's got suddenly got oh, brought these over from the war he's got fucking everything like yeah you know, it's full collection they've been sitting there for 40 years those things I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Because they don't work. Yeah, one of them doesn't work. That's terrible. That scene where literally 
he picks up the uh, machine gun at one point. He finally yeah, is like, giant oh, I've had enough of these thugs. And he's on a gantry and he tries to shoot the and thugs. And they jazz. start running away. Like, oh no, he's got a gun. And then it clicks. It doesn't work. And they go, it didn't work. And they all go <laughs> running back. And they fucking like pick him up and throw him off. They go, it's awful. <laughs> Terrible. That stuntman. That stuntman Martin Balsam that they pull over the yes. edge. It's like, one side it's like a man, you know, bald geezer with, you know, like like he'd looked at the time, thinning hair. And then as they pull him over, it's some fucking blonde dude who's about... <laughs> Eight fucking stone bigger. It's like whoa. That happens a couple of times in this. Like like people fall off buildings and stuff, and the dummy work is fucking it hilarious. It's so bad. There's yeah. one that goes over, and it just ends up in like a crumpled heap. And it's like not there is no body that would land like that. Like there's looks, one who looks like he's doing star jumps. <laughs> yeah. There's like, one that uh, just lands off. in a heap, or like a fucking. Well, yeah, the giveaway he lands on top of a car, and like the car doesn't no, move. It's like, <laughs> like a, like a rag doll. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't know where all the money went. Like, <laughs> just... All on well, Bronson's no paycheck. Yeah. Oh, it was 10 million budget. 1.5 million of that went Which to... Which Canon, that's a lot, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Like, that's an expensive one, Yeah, 1.5 went to Bronson. Went to Bronson, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, to be fair, like... It does have like a lot of kind of explosions and mm. stuff like that. There is, <laughs> yeah, but nothing matches. There is like, stuff going on. <laughs> there's like all of the scenery is just like right. Where the fuck are we now? Because I didn't see that building five minutes ago. Like, and if this is the all supposed to be, all, yeah, the geography yeah. is all wrong. It's just like there's one like wooden place. That this looks isn't like John it's Wick, a... Jeanette. No, Come no, on. no. <laughs> but it's just like nothing matches. Like it's not all set in the same area. Well, just that it's like the same location they used yeah. for Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> it's all London, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's all sh- it's all blatantly shot in London rather than. But you like, can tell like else. some of it sets, some of it's built, yes. some of it's yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. some of it's New York, most of it's not. Even some of the like, interior scenes are really bad. Like some of the scenes between Bronson and the lawyer when they're chatting, having the date in the, her house, it's yeah. like completely black apart from yes. two yes. spotlights. Yeah, yeah. Then it cuts away, cuts back, and all the lights are on, and then yeah. it's just like they can't even keep like a, a dining just, room set consistent. I just mean like nothing matches. Yeah. Like, you just it's it feels so cheap like it, we reviewed a film with you guys a little while ago kingdom of the spiders oh yeah and that actually had some production value like it felt like a five thousand really, fucking spiders you know, <laughs> but that felt like a really polished even though it was a b movie it felt like a really polished produced tv movie like mm. it was polished like mm. the scenery was good it had like it, it was the music was good um, this is just like this is a terribly cheap movie. This is a nasty cheap movie. Mm. Nasty but in yeah. the era of and... um, a VHS era, my time hit yeah. nine eight five. So it's like you know, churn them out and keep them coming <laughs> because you need X amount in the cinemas and now X amount in the video stores every week. Yeah. So it's this constant. Like I mean, we're living in the age now, the golden age of television. What with you know all your streaming services and that. But the, the real the first hints of that was back in the early 80s when VCRs came out and suddenly it was just like, shit, we need to start making more content. We can't yeah. just be fine with what's on the telly and then what's in the cinemas. There has to be an in-between. And that's why Canon and companies like that were just churning out so many films so often because they knew that, you know, yeah, we might break even at the box office, but you know what? That home release, that's, that's where, where we get them, baby. Is. Get that poster up and going. I mean, yeah. this film feels like pure video video store era. Yeah, like, yeah. Total, I can imagine seeing this on the shelf while I was in the early 90s going into video shops. Mm. Like, yeah, it feels 
custom made mm. for that guy to the point that I'm disappointed I didn't pick this up <laughs> in the video store like when it was that time so Kersey decides it's time to send a message to the thugs and he goes and confronts uh, some bad guys who are trying to steal his car um, and I really liked him here. I thought he was really funny and like cool badass because they come out he's like and he's like, what are you doing? Like, what's wrong with the car? They're yeah. like, what's it to you, meathead? And he just turns out, he's like, it's, it's my, my car. car. <laughs> like, they're like, oh. And then just fucking blows them away. Because then it is just hilarious. And they're like, oh, then you're dead. He just goes, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I thought it was fucking great. I love that shit. I mean, the, uh, this city is full of degenerates, as the cop says. And like he fucking right. I mean, it's like literally everywhere you look. Yeah, it's fucking bad guys even, left, right, and centre. Even with him. Yeah, I mean, there, it's one of those things where I'm like, it seems in terms of per square mile of population, <laughs> there's more criminals than there are normal well, people. Well, for, forget it, Jake. It's Scumtown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is literally Scumtown. They keep calling them creeps as well. Like everybody calls them creeps. Yes, creeps. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like byword for for punk or for thug or for you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's that same... Again, it's the Dirty Harryisms all over that again. Yes. Where it's... Yeah, again, it's this white man saviour, white man vigilante situation that Mm -hmm. you've got going on. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about white saviour, what about the scene where the black kid's hiding behind the tree? Oh, God. (laughs) uh, Because he comes to the rescue of uh, Marina Sirtis and her black husband and uh, twats out this guy and suddenly it cuts to a black kid <laughs> hiding by a tree and be like, yeah! <laughs> and then Bronson sees you like this black power symbol. <laughs> <laughs> well, just... I was like, because somebody put that up as a gif on Twitter yeah. and I was like, that's the gif, isn't it? Like, yes, <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's the gif. That's the death. The star, it is, it, again, it's the cake and eat it thing. It's the, you know, all these, all these creeps, scumbags and punks are yeah, I mostly they're all underprivileged. Uh, most of them are minorities as well, except for the leader, who's a white guy. But yes. mostly, mostly yeah. these are all poor, all, all poor uh, minorities. Yes, yeah. is it um, majority? Yeah, and, uh, and majority yeah. of minorities. Yeah, the majority <laughs> of minorities. Um, so yeah, like oh, all, the, all the neighborhood go like, "Whoa, you killed them to death!" <laughs> like literally celebrating murder out in the streets, the murder of that underprivileged child. Woo! <laughs> it just seems like it, it's just it's all wrong. It's just like we don't want to be thinking about these people. Just just kill them just for kill us. Them. What I them. wanted to know is why does the lead baddie not instantly recognize Bronson from the jail? Because it takes <laughs> later on in the film oh. one of his flunkies actually goes, "Hey, it's him from the." jail oh because he does a lot of drugs but i'm just like yeah i was like wait a second the the main bad guy sees him before then and he's like oh that fucking guy but he doesn't recognize him Mm. he's just like oh keep an eye on that guy i'm like wait a second you promised to kill an old woman for him (laughs) do you think think he's just like old man racist or something they all look (laughs) the same to him (laughs) there's a bit where bronson stood at his window and that guy stood out in the street and they kind of share like a heated look yeah i imagine that comes but i think that's just because he's killing his men (laughs) not because of do you mean erotic oh you're wrong (laughs) yeah Uh, i think is that the bit where bronson's doing press-ups in he does four well number one he only does four number two he's not doing those press ups <laughs> he is shot very much from like the waist up so I'm, like, moving, I'm, I'm literally I'm like he's kneeling and doing, like, like, yeah, there's do no think, way do you think there's somebody else under him holding his legs like, 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 literally, literally, like, literally he's not him. doing I want to do as little as possible 
Like, uh, this is another thing. I mean, the score is insane. Because I can't even remember. I remember the score being a bit odd in Death Wish 2. But I can't remember it being this odd. Mm. And I know it's reused, but I know it was rearranged. I swear it was just rearranged just to make it more upbeat. Like, a more, more comedic. Or like, just make it sound... Like they've paid Jimmy Page more money to yeah. make a second score. Just feels like a sitcom score, I swear. Like uh, <laughs> the, the the cop turns up and says that the lead bad guy in it has a clean criminal record. And I was like, when we met him, he was in jail. Yeah. <laughs> What's happened? Like, is this how bad it's got? These cops don't even keep records. Well, anymore? this is again why I'm I I'm, I'm totally. My misconception of this is that it turns out that he is the son of somebody high up, somebody's, so they can't. Somebody's clearing his name. Yeah, 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 or, totally. Or, or, or like a corrupt cop it. or something. That's because of stupid shit like that. Where I'm just yeah. like, yeah, he's got a. This a no, no. He's just. It's just a silly film. Just a very <laughs> but then silly that adds to the thing because I was like in my head, I was like. Oh, is he meant to be a different character then to the one we met at the beginning? That's <laughs> why twin. he doesn't recognise him. It's just comp- two, playing two completely different oh, characters. Babe, you're just thinking too much into it. It's just a shit film. Yeah, yeah well, like, quite. Yeah. quite possibly, I mean, his negative possibly. mohawk's pretty... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, should have had twins. Yeah. you should have had twins. You should have had one with a mohawk and one with a negative yeah. mohawk. That would have been pretty yeah. cool. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned Catherine earlier on, who's the love interest mm-hmm. in this film. Yep. Well, she literally, like, takes down her hair and takes off her glasses and all of a sudden she's beautiful, isn't she? So at the courthouse, her hair's up and she's got her glasses on. She's old business. And then, like, she's like, come around for dinner. And then she's let her hair out and she's she's got yeah. her glasses on and she's instantly five this is This is all that's helping this film feel like a massive Arrested Development episode. you got, you got Kitty <laughs> putting her hair down, blind lawyer probably <laughs> so yeah it's a 32 year <laughs> age gap between Bronson and um, uh, Deborah Raffin who plays um, the guy and I mean well and hats you, off to her for trying to sell that and not just, just be like well, it, it's fucking uh, mad like, like you say I, I was completely the same when she turns around and says, oh, would you like to go to dinner? I was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's kind of going like, nah. And she's like, oh, please. Like, almost begging, begging him. Like, yeah. please, you're my best the like, All right. Yeah. I don't nothing better to do. Like, I just like, but <laughs> did you, anyone else think in that scene, the first scene where she asks him out and he goes, yeah, he kind of turns around. He's like, yeah, all right. And a bit of music, kind of romantic music mm. plays as if like, oh, at last, Kirsty, another hope for love. <laughs> and she gets in a taxi and starts to drive off. And the moment she turns the corner, the music turns really ominous and kind of like bad. And all the thugs start to turn around like, <laughs> and I was like, is she instantly going to get raped and killed? Like the moment Kirsty even kind of like shows like a sign of potentially falling in love well, yeah. with someone else, she's instantly going to get killed. At that point, I was like, she's definitely dead. Well, Maybe not straight away, point, but she will be. Because like Kirsty's like, I don't want to get close to anybody because they all die. And like, so that's that. I mean, he's like, right. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as they sleep together, like she is off um, in the car. They, they knock her out and send the car down a hill where it explodes at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, Inexplicably explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was his, And i got to say, I was so impressed at the inventiveness <laughs> that the bad guys displayed. They were like, no, we are not just going to stab her or shoot her no, through the window. No, that would be easy. We're going to knock her out and then 
make the effort to push her car into oncoming traffic. <laughs> we cannot guarantee that she will die, but... But it'll really yeah. fuck her up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it just... I it thought I was... We hilarious. don't want to make ourselves guilty to this crime. No. So they guilty do, for a lot of other crimes. They do get her eventually. <laughs> and you're, we were talking about this earlier. There is so much right-wing fear-mongering in this. Yeah. And very much that, you know, don't take our guns away mentality in terms of... Because I think the cops at one point when that Jewish yeah. family... Mm. Um, they visit that that Jewish couple, don't they? And they take away their gun. But are they cops? Because I looked at those guys, I oh. thought it was again. I thought, are they are they punks dressed as cops? They're punks because looking at the two yes. actors and the one's chewing and chewing young, gum. Like, they? do you think they too... were just doubling up roles? I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's... yet again you're giving the script too much because <laughs> they, 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 those punks only come back when they know that there There's aren't no any firearms in the house. Well, um, because it, but it seemed insane in terms of I was like, maybe they were corrupt. Well, but to me, it just seemed to be a mad comment of like, oh yeah, like you know, the cops are too easy on real criminals these days, and they're not Um, letting us protect ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Because I was watching it go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Every time we've seen outside this building, there's about fifty eight hundred crimes going on at the same time. All at the same time. And I was like, so for these cops to have made it up to that apartment they yeah. must have had to go through 20 murders five rapes <laughs> four carjackings going everything like that. and like you know so to them to get up there and ignore all that and then go oh old jewish couple will take your gun away that doesn't yeah. even work and then the moment they take the gun away the fucking bad guys are in there go ha ha you haven't got a gun to protect yourself now yeah they come in just go we can't come back whenever we like like just like tell you what i just it was mad to me and it did very much seem that nra they're gonna try and take our guns yeah of course and then um of course like uh you know kazi sets up the the booby trap for them which they have a good laugh about yeah yeah yeah. just pull someone's teeth straight out (laughs) that was such a punchline he's like well what's this in the board Teeth. Yeah, and he's got such a <laughs> smile on his face as well. It's the only time Bronson smiles in that entire movie is when he goes, one of those. He's like, it's tooth. Like, so, he's really pleased with it. We're looking for some suspect missing their two front teeth. <laughs> yeah. It's also, they have a nice little dinner party and they just wait. They hear someone break in. They hear a yeah. scream. Oh, Bronson oh, stands oh. up, like dabs his mouth like, excuse me, <laughs> I must go <laughs> and <cool>. murder. <laughs> uh, so this is where we do get to the horribly gratuitous rape of poor maria played mm-hmm. by maria Sirtis, with the kind of weirdly pervy cctv camera mm-hmm. kind of like having an eye on it the security guy fucking on his brain what <laughs> <laughs> this is going on so, oh like, yeah. i missed the crime I mean, it is is it that is almost played for last where he comes up <laughs> <laughs> and they can't take her off to this underground car park um, and to be fair, I mean, I was like, I think it's only because of my experience of watching Death Wish 2. This almost seemed slightly restrained mm. in comparison <laughs> uh, to the horribleness of Death Wish 2. But apparently the shooting of this scene oh, was I've heard, really I've heard nasty. terrible stories about, yeah. you know, her having to having to lie on that horrible dirty mattress yeah, in the cold. Yeah. In a leaky really, warehouse. Yeah, and she wasn't allowed to cover up. No. Um, you know, Winner didn't want her to cover up for whatever fucking reason. Um, you know. Because he wanted a, it to be real. He was a, yeah, he's a sadist. That's yeah. why. Yeah. But, and, you know, this poor actress, you're just like, you know, it, it sounded gratuitous and nasty yeah, and really taking advantage of the situation as well. Um, so yeah, she had a terrible time filming that, as far as I know. Well, apparently the director of photography felt so sorry for her that that he took off his jacket and draped it over her. Mm-hmm. And Michael Winner 
screamed at him and was mm. like, how dare you? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, take it off right now. Kind of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. And I saw in that um, Electric Boogaloo documentary, I saw a clip of Winner on set where he says, he's saying, oh, yes, whenever they make these films about kind of rape and murder, uh, I don't know why they call such a charming gentleman like me. Like, kind of like yeah. And I was just like, he is a cunt. Oh, he yeah, was yeah, an yeah. absolute yeah. I can absolutely believe cunt, it. Wasn't yeah. he? 100%. I, yeah. Because like, there's no reason for you to make an actress lie in mm. a cold, no. in a cold warehouse no. on a on a wet mattress without her top on. There mm. is just there's yeah. no reason. There is. You're making no a reason. film. You're not actually doing the crime, right? No, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's just like and the welfare of your actors and everybody. Yeah, you obviously that didn't film, give a shit. Like that's that's paramount. And what's well, the myth even... of the maverick director that yeah. has, has continues? Mm. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, and right. it's just like you know, if you can't be human enough mm. to allow somebody to cover up when they're cold, uh, fuck you, man. Like yeah, for, yeah. for whatever reason it's just like if you don't have that human compassion like you're fucking idiot. i mean presumably that's covering up when they're not rolling when they're setting yeah, up exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's like exactly. it doesn't there even matter now literally no reason for her to be topless right now like let her let her cover up God. um so yeah it was just the filming of that whole scene just mm. sounds like a fucking nightmare from start to finish and it's the thing of i mean i don't agree full stop with the idea of directors having to be evil, horrible cunts in order to of make good films, full stop. No, 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 I but, don't believe that either. You know, there's the famous story of William Freakin shooting a gun past a guy's head to get the reaction in The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't agree with that. But I'm like, at least you're making The Exorcist. This is fucking Death Wish 3. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, it's like, that's the thing. In terms of, yeah. like, literally, it's bad enough when it resulted in like in a, a masterpiece, masterpiece or something like that like yeah but when it's for death wish free yeah you're like fucking hell i, I feel like it doesn't i mean obviously it doesn't matter what you're making you know when you yes, are mentally um mentally abusing and emotionally abusing people um, physically abusing physically in some, abusing well, in some yeah. senses uh to to create your vision Mm. Um, you think Michael Winner ever had a vision in his fucking life? No, Good but grief. he thinks he did, and this is the whole point. Is it's kind oh, of oh yeah, like... like his vision was going home that night and squinting in the bathroom mirror and fapping off to, to the <laughs> distress that he had put poor Deanna Troy yeah, through. Probably, sadly. love a woman in distress. Um, but yeah, I just I think that oh, but he's an artist. Mm. I think it's one of the worst fucking excuses I've ever heard. For I mean, for I abuse. don't think anyone's called winner an artist, but I know what, <laughs> but I know what you I know completely yeah, what you mean. Absolutely, like, yeah, I think I think it counts across. But the people still fucking pull that shit now. Of course they do. Hundred percent. People still pull that shit now. People will go for broke defending filmmakers people still acting queue up, like complete people scumbags. still queue up to be in a Woody Allen movie yeah and you're just like Roman well, Polanski also yeah yeah Roman yeah. Polanski movies um, you know because people you know they, they choose to believe what they believe mm. um, but also some people do really believe that you need to really get blood out of that stone to make art yeah and yeah, yeah. you know it's just like no you don't <laughs> no you don't yeah no fucking... oh, that's the thing it's just whenever the argument is always oh but it resulted in a masterpiece it's like right well here's 10 masterpieces where no one got emotionally and physically abused where the crew really enjoyed their work and you know they were allowed to be safe and you know looked after and nobody got fingered by a grizzly bear no exactly. exactly like they were they were encouraged and nurtured and directed 
which is what you do as a director to your mm. actors, that's how you get a response. Mm. You, you hire the right people for the job and you direct them accordingly and you will still get that result. You don't have to shoot guns by the head. You don't have to make them lie in a fucking freezing cold warehouse. Um, yeah, you don't or have, have inappropriate sex with them, no. Brian Singer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, I don't believe that shit for a second. And I yeah. think he really, really feels himself. I think this is a man who really thinks that he is creating great art. Well, you got to remember like around this sort of period like he's he's become a bit of a stalwart for Malachim Golan and Joram yeah. Globus because he's basically going in there and he's making these films on budget and on time and this is maybe the fourth or fifth thing he's done with he canon by this point canon, yeah because well, yeah, two death wish two was canon this wicked lady wicked lady and maybe some others yeah as well. there's, there's yeah. gonna be some more in there as well yeah yeah for sure so he was just like he's onto a good thing yeah. he knows he's got steady income coming in you know and yeah he just got away with it unfortunately he did mm. get away with it this is the point i wanted to make to michael winner because i'm not going to i'm going to leave for a moment the, the rape just talk about how well or badly made the film is i mean i know this is a personal thing but i can think of john ford west and i can think of hitchcock movies where violent scenes were in which were much more artistically uh, dealt with you uh, have turned the camera uh, uh, rather blatantly on a violent act uh, i mean that surely shows a lack of imagination as a film director well can't you not make your point in any other way than to be sensational well, you can cut away to the curtains blowing in the window or the clouds scurrying outside. I don't think that any violent act that is shown is shown. And I don't see anything wrong today in showing what goes on in life. It was not done. But it uh, isn't like that in life. I'm sorry, well, you Mr. Well, you don't Will, know, Annie. You've never isn't. been raped. Have you ever asked me? Well, uh, have you been raped? <laughs> Yes, I have as a matter of technical interest. Is it of any relevance to your film? No. That is not how rape takes place. But yet, alas, poor Maria, we knew her well, because despite only having a broken arm um, from the attack, uh, she does die of a she broken arm. She does die because there's uh, blood clots mm. from the broken arm that get into her heart and, and yeah, kill th her. Yeah, doesn't that feel like they just didn't shoot enough of her death yep. scene? And then yeah. when it came time to that, they're like, well, we've, we're writing her out. Uh, say some <laughs> shit about blood clots. Well, yeah, because I was like, when the doctor was speaking, I was like, I'm not a medical man. <laughs> is, is this medically sound? Like, it just sounded really weird. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, like the worst yeah, case of events. she a broken arm, but, you know... <laughs> Died, I guess. What, yeah. what am I meant to do? What am I, a doctor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this town? Yes, I don't think so. I mean, you think we got the funding here? <laughs> I don't know. I gotta get could... mugging out there to feed my family. <laughs> you get mugged between the hospital and the car park. Like, this man's got to make a living. Um, I think we can probably Google if a broken limb would result in death. They should have but... just said the ambulance got jacked on the way to the hospital. Yeah, I was just yeah, yeah. The there was, there was definitely yeah. like better things they there could have done. There was like internal rupture. That sounds horrible, yeah, but, no, but anything had, like that. She yeah. could have had an internal bleed. She could have, you know, there was mm. a hundred things she could have done. Do you, but there's like, more than, like, there's like a list of things that, yeah, that Menachem there's, and Yoram looked at and they were just like, yeah, not doing the internal bleeding. That's disgusting. Not doing this. Not doing the She could have died from fucking anything. Blood clot from a broken arm. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> uh, Kersey decides to commemorate Maria's death with an ice cream. And it goes out and he's says been watching he's the Irishman. Yeah, he says he's gonna buy an ice cream. And someone's like, well, What? Buy an ice cream? He's like, This is America, isn't it? Oh, just like the that one line kind of resembles this film like yeah. completely. Well he's like, got yeah. his he's got his fucking giant gun. Yeah, he's yeah, his mental his huge mental gun. giant he's, gun. Yeah, yeah, this can, is when he goes out with the bait of the Nikon camera, yeah, isn't the, it? Yeah. Bait of the fancy camera. So he to knows get he's gonna get to the, he gets the giggler. They killed the giggler, man. 
They killed the giggler! He grabs an ice cream out of the cooler, chucks it to the black kid who we saw earlier, who's like, oh, thanks, man. But then he goes to the till and he pays for his ice cream. And there was no, no, no indication whatsoever that he was paying for the kid's ice cream. So Shoots like, the kid on the way like, Wait a minute. <laughs> you try and track that kid as well. It's like, he took the bait. Time to die. <laughs> in the background gang where you'll see him walking out like looking at ice cream and in the background the kid's like getting beaten up by the shop owner uh, so yeah like you say he kills the giggler which everyone applauds um, literally yeah, people yeah. in the street like actually like, like, yeah. that one woman she's just like she's out there in her nighty like he dragged my handbag last week I'm glad he's dead <laughs> Seriously, like cheering on a teenager's murder. Like, it's a lovely, like, kind of, um, you know, closing chapter to the fact that there's twice in a row, like, the giggler has snatched something and fucking, (laughs) like, 25 year old giggler has run off, and a 64 year old Chuck Bronson has been (laughs) (laughs) and And run him down. Not even fucking close. Not even fucking close. Oh, to be fair, he doesn't bother running after him. This he just takes a long, long time to pull his gun out. It's a heavy gun and he's 64. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, luckily, it's got a long distance range. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's firing rifle rounds, wasn't it? Yeah, they, yeah they're something custom like that. Made, he's yeah. custom made his bullets to be explosive on impact. So, like, to do, like, <laughs> the most... Explosive the guy's yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As explosive as Bronson's punches in this film. Because <laughs> when Bronson punches someone in this film, it's like fucking Superman's they punch. They go flying. Like, uh, when he punched them, I was like... There's no way 64-year-old brothers have With that level of He was a big, big guy in his in his youth, right? He was. He, he was, was, he was a, a big, big fella. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day. Not, not in 1985. But 1985, <laughs> you know. Not in back in the 40s. So... Uh, um, just the crunch of his old man's fist I mean, we do get a cheeky glimpse of Bronson physique for 64-year-old hot Bronson suit. <laughs> Um, but didn't they look like I say off the boil? Didn't they look like abs that the art department added or something? <laughs> but no, he had. He's always he had that physique. Looked, yeah, he looked okay. Right. I think he looked. He did look sixty-four. He didn't look but hot. But he he looked. Uh, he did not look hot. I thought you said. I thought you said he did look no, hot. He, he There's somebody out there who has Ma- a thing for Chuck Bronson. Um, and he. But I was looking, going like. I can't rewound it a couple of times. Start fapping off. But, yeah, but I like literally, literally, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, for 64, he looks all right. I mean, not Stallone at 64, like, all right, but he looks like okay. Like, if you he were. Looks healthy. A 64 year old. Because steroids didn't exist in the 40s when he was, <laughs> you know, jacking up. And for a 64 year old in 1985, he looks all right. Because a 64 year old in 1985 is like. 145 now. <laughs> yeah, that's like old man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an yeah, honest exactly. Because, yeah, like Martin Balsam in this looks like um, fucking old Biff Tannen. Yes. He he's does, he's yeah. that kind of old he looks and doggery. like a happy apple that's been left out in this song. <laughs> so he is talking, because before um, his new love interest gets killed, oh, God. to kind of, well, she gets fridged, basically, to motivate him. Uh, the thing is, I don't even know why they really needed to kill her, because no. at the end of the day, I'm like, in this film, his old mate has already got killed. Mm. So that's his motivation to get back in. But at this point, it feels like Kirsty is just a vigilante and doesn't actually need any real 
pushing. No, but into... I think, well, he's at this point, he's like, he's encouraging the neighborhood to fight back. Yeah. yeah. And the gangs don't like they, it. They're starting like a neighborhood watch, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. I, I thought, thought we were going to get like a. Um, a uh, montage. I thought we were going to get like an Akira Kurosawa like uh, Seven Samurai thing where he's tr- shooting all of the old, <laughs> training all the old grannies to shoot or yeah. something. Yeah, that like police can be four citizens on patrol. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. But I think that's that's what it is. I think because he's encouraged everybody to fight back, and they're all setting these traps in their homes, and yeah. they're all kind of you know they're they're starting to not be afraid anymore. Mm. So the gangs are like, "Fuck you, man!" And they're going to take away everything he loves, man, because this is our neighborhood, man, and fuck you, man. And I think that's what's happening. Well, and then they fucking bring in like they must be they've shipped in more gang members from from other states <laughs> yeah. and Urukai yeah. and some stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, oh, it's fucking and mad. And hell's angels that came from nowhere, yeah. like all these bikers from other yeah. film sets. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Are much older. Than they also the just forgave the whole territorial disputes because yeah. the gangs earlier were like, "This is our turf," referring to presumably other thugs. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. 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 having infighting earlier. So if anything, Kersey brings the community together <laughs> more ways than one. Because like, a lot of the thugs in like the big shoot at the end, they don't have the face paint. Yeah, yeah. so they've so all joined like, together they've all joined for a common the, the fucking the makeup budget just went through the floor. And they went, yeah, can't afford to keep doing this. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, the whole romance in it. I mean, not only is it fucking weird as fuck because the age difference, um, which and is, the implausibility. Yeah, of this it, entire it, thing. absolutely insane. But also the fact that they're kind of acting as if. Kersey has a chance at a new life with this girl. And I was just like... Oh, because, yeah, she's no. like, I want to go away. Yeah, she's acting like she wants to take him away from all this and from that. I'm like, I want to go where the people are. <laughs> and I'm like, no, let's get right. He is a cold-blooded psychopath he's a at this point. Like, yeah, he's a complete and utter maniac. I'm like, there is no way he could just pick up and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just go off and have a normal life. Mm. Like, yeah, I mean, the psychology of Kersey's character is so weird. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a man with deep, so deep-seated PTSD. Yeah, sure. Like, with... And he's pretty chill most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, you know, his entire family have been wiped out by gang violence. Like, you know, mm. you'd, you'd expect him to be like a twitching, rocking maniac with a gun by this point. Like, you know, the, he's, not, he's far too... Hey, He's a maniac with a gun, yeah, just not twitching and rocking. Yeah, he's normal. Yeah, he's ice cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can see how Bruce Willis is kind of perfect casting for the remake. Because yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. also given up on life. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, And acting. He's completely given up on it. Wow, that's almost, I mean, like in terms of careers as well, like heyday 20, 30 yeah. years earlier to like when they started. starring in classics, yeah. like back in the day with Once Upon a Time in the West and stuff like that, and then gradually moving to, because nowadays, like the things that would have been canon then mm. are now the straight to video car fair yeah, yeah, yeah. that Bruce Willis is doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does actually mm-hmm. weirdly fit together that he would be interesting career trajectory. The new, the new and version. Eli Roth is the modern day Michael Winner. I buy that. Yeah, I I'll buy that. God, I think you're right as well. Like he does actually genuinely fit that kind of mold as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Go no, see him on uh, shit insurance commercials soon and we'll be fine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the, yeah, they're the perfect team to remake it. Um, so things, the, the the pace gets even more blistering towards <laughs> the end because Bennett goes for revenge, the scares chase. the bugs with the machine gun, <clears throat> doesn't work. Gets thrown off the They throw escape. him off. Uh, they've blown up his shop. 
uh, all that kind of stuff. That we and didn't then, know he had. Yeah, just literally. <laughs> well, we know he had it just because he's screaming, my shot, my shot! <laughs> uh, everyone's fucking hiding guns, it turns yep. out. Every yep. single person in the building Everybody's has packing. a fucking gun. Like, literally from the old ladies. So, like, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're all fucking armed to the teeth. Uh, it turns into a fucking war movie. I mean, it's like Dunkirk or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, like, yeah. this is it. The entire last, like, like last 25 minutes is this extended action yeah, finale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and it, it's, it's pure western it's yeah. like yes. it's a yeah. shootout it's people falling off of roofs you're right yeah it's, it's completely western town yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was like oh this has turned into a full western now it's like especially with like the, the citizens who would normally barricade themselves and you know shut all the shutters yeah. and now poking people out with brooms and knocking them off gantries and stuff joining in on the yeah. when uh, Kersey shoots people mm. they like some they get kind of projectiled as well in terms yeah. of like there's a guy going up a gantry and Kirsty shoots him and he literally throws himself off the side of the gantry. <laughs> yeah. Like, Have you seen Righteous he... Kill? Uh yes. When um Watch your back. When fifty cent gets shot in that film and the, the use of the dummy smashing out of the window it's I the projector I do not remember this I, I, I have ju- you ever seen that gif of that bear that got tranquilised and fell out of that tree well, it's, no. it's, it's that meme isn't it it's like I regret nothing and that's, that's the, it's the 50 cent moment of the window which is watching this I'm just like having these flashbacks to righteous kill because every fucking kill coming off of any sort of ledge just, with foot off the ground and people going <laughs> it's like, and like I was saying, the dummy work in this is so fucking it's terrible. So it doesn't, they don't yeah, look like real that. people. They're, this yeah. is ragdolls being chucked but around. That's what I think it makes it even yeah. better. Like, yeah, when when like, Alex uh, Winter shows up and has a drop on him and the cop shoots him, he pretty much like frog splashes off. Oh, like, that <laughs> moment was amazing when because you're getting, you're like, shit, it's Bill, he's back. And then suddenly Watch the police out, captain turns up and when he shoots him, they see each other. And now they're teaming up. I was like, oh my God, this is better than Avengers Assemble. When the citizens start taking the power back, they all shoot into the air like cowboys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah! But then you've got like uh, brief moments of sort of victory of them taking some out, suddenly instantly crushed. Because there's a bit where some of the thugs like chuck a petrol That's bomb in, incredible. and those two like middle aged couple come out on fire. It's like, <laughs> and then the back main guy goes slows them away from yeah, the it's a fucking, while they're on fire. It's a, it's a stunt show. It's a stunt show. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is like it's a yeah, one world stunt show. show. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, because it, what it, they yeah they do they get one the fugs don't they and then they instantly fire yeah. them and blow them away. And of course we have oh, the thug who God. opens the uh, opens the door and gets home alone by the knife on the plank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he falls backwards off or something. Home yeah. alone. There's some great screams from the fugs. There's some great like. Ay! <laughs> there, is, there is not one Wilhelm scream in no. this whole film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're all original. You've got the original. you've got the bit where they yank up the chain and take out the bikers, like clothesline them off the bikes yeah, as they come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, the older bikers that have been shipped in from out of town. Yeah, like <laughs> we're here, we're back up. Oh, <laughs> it's totally dead. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> fucking insane, and it all builds up to this massive confrontation back in uh, his old mate's flat, which has it? possibly the best resolution of anything I've ever seen. I literally was one of the best. Yeah, where basically the the bad guy he has them down for the count, doesn't he? He's got yeah. he's got a gun on both of them, and he's like, and they say, "Oh, you can't 
shoot both of us. Well, yeah, they, they blow him away, but like a good slasher villain, he's not dead. He, yeah. he hops up. He hops he's up. like, I've got body armor, bitch. And they're like, right, well, you can't shoot both of us. And he tries. And then it's like, what are you going to do? And Bronson just goes, well, I've got a rocket launcher right here. <laughs> <laughs> Bazooka's in from like two feet away inside a house and he's got a reaction shot of him like and then the moment that sells it is the hard cut to outside as the entire wall explodes the entire building literally got fucking it looks looks like the the bit of Helm's Deep from Two Towers and it blows up it's like just bricks everywhere but the best thing about it is just lands on the street 20 seconds later the film is ending like in terms of literally that happens he gets fucking blown out blown back out of the wall I mean what would have been really amazing is if they chucked in another dummy going outside the hall it's it's the fact that it looks like a hardcore explosion which it was but then it cuts back to Bronson the cop just (laughs) in the lounge with just like a hole in the wall and then at at that point that's when all the other thugs give up they literally they see that happen they're like oh shit (laughs) Hedgehog's girlfriend screams for him. Obviously, that's her only line of dialogue in yeah, this whole yeah. thing. She's, like, She's no. screaming for him. And then and then they, they all come up and one of them like gets out his flick knife and she goes, no. Like she puts up her hand and she's like, "No, we're out of here." Like, but without actually talking, so it's just a hand mm. movement. It's just a gesture. It's like we know where we're being. Yeah. And they all kind of strut off in that kind of dancing style. <laughs> and they, they do all, And they all evade us. So what you're saying really is Death Wish Free feminist. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it the, the same housemate of mine who walked in and said, "Is that Paul Bettany?" I brought her back. It. She was on her way out, and I said, "Come, go." She just got off. And I showed her the bazooka moment, and she died laughing. Like, <laughs> Mr. Buff, probably. Like, it's just amazing. But yeah, because it literally is, they see that happen, they're like, fuck this, we're out of here. They all go, so the, they've taken back the streets, and literally, as soon as that's happened, Bronson's like, my work here is done. And, and literally, him and the captain have a moment between each other, which I was like, that is a more convincing romance. Because the, the they look at each other, and it does actually play a little twinkie twinkie like romantic music between them yeah. in terms of like, oh, Miss Judging Man, like, you saved this town. And then he goes, suddenly. Kirsty is walking away to go catch the bus back. He's got I've got a return ticket. <laughs> uh, and the credits are going up when Paige's like funky score like come out. And that's the end of the film. Like literally. Oh my god. It's fucking insane. No. Is absolutely <laughs> mental. Hopefully this was this much fun to actually watch it. Like uh, seriously. Well. <sighs> okay, let's go around the table then. Final verdicts. Jeanette, oh, I wanna come to you first. Oh man. Okay, so <laughs> this is really hard to score because like I, I, I can't say I enjoyed it like there's nothing about this Death Wish film that I actually like it's just ridiculous it's, it's, it's poorly done it's stupidly directed it's cheap as fucking chips it's, <laughs> and no care and attention has been taken with anything in it it's vicious it's nasty it's stupid um, but at the same time it's like yeah, if you do want to have your friends all round and have a few beers and take the absolute piss out of it and, and kind of like look at the idiocy. There was a wanted poster in the police station <laughs> with a horse on it and, and we had to pause it and look at it and saying, is that saying that the horse is a criminal or is Probably that saying that term. they need horses? Like it was <laughs> adding to the Western vibe or yeah. it's a seed for Death Wish for the crackdown where the lead villain is a horse. <laughs> but there was Where is Bojack? Of course, where it really is, we're on there. 
<laughs> so there is moments in this week, like the fucking bazooka and everything else, where you're like, "What is happening?" Like the kid going off the off the fucking um, the the roof when he lands, like in just a heap of rags, and you're like, "That's not a person. That's never been a person." Um, the dancers who are thugs, who are like, they're just waiting to break out into West Side Story. Like it's it fucking... is just sharks and jets, but by way of the warriors, <laughs> yeah. by way of you know. Cruising, yeah, sure. I was just like, man, they're showing a lot of ab. Like they've got they these amazing crop tops. tops on. Oh wow, everything changes oh, but you. They're so funny. Like it is. It's a. It's trash. This is movie. This movie is trash. So as a Death Wish movie, no, it's complete shit. Um, as a hilarious dumb beer and a pizza movie like i've got to give it some credit because on the one hand like it's awful and i don't like the rape scene and because you know about it as well you know what happened to that poor woman when Mm. she was filming it it's just like leaves a really bad taste in the mouth um so like i never do half stars on our show but i'm gonna do a half star for you guys wow you're just gonna give it half a star no i'm (laughs) I'm doing a two and a half oh okay 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 because i can't say because three is like a recommend and i enjoyed it yeah uh and a two is like on the way to one star trash so i'm gonna say like i'm gonna even it out give it a two and a half it's dumb it's dumb as fuck it's dumb as a bag of frogs um but it's one of the death wish movies and if you like the death wish movies you have to see it because it's canon um <laughs> but it's canon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's but it's fucking ridiculous yeah so it's like it's it's i don't know i don't know what about you guys okay well i, I, <laughs> I would also go two and a half stars but I will say it's close to free. Like I think the only reason I wouldn't give it free are we talking about two point seven five? Is because of the horrible rapes, right? Just because obviously knowing the background of the production and everything like that, it's just and it's just so unneeded, mm. yeah. like that. I'm just kind of oh god, but because it's nowhere near as horribly sadistic or mean-spirited as, as the, the second the one, second one mm. I can kind of, like, I got through it reasonably this easily. One's, this one's kind of campy. Yes, so and everything around mm. it is so OTT and mad and stuff like that. It's but, the fact that it's a rape of a character that isn't really even important to the overall story as yeah, well Yeah, which it's just, was... It's just like, for, for you know, for rape's sake. Mm. Yeah. There's it's enough just, crime here, isn't it? It's just horrible. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but apart from that, that, like, I did enjoy it. Like, in terms of a... There's no way I can deny I watched this film and once we got past the monotonous opening sequence, I was like, this is a blast. <laughs> Literally, this is so much fun. Like, yeah, it does, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's insane. They did make a video game of the film. <laughs> oh, my God, really? Available on Commodore 64 and Amstrad, um, <laughs> which apparently was one of the goriest computer games of all time in 1985. Wow. Not that there was much to compare it to. Um, they but, literally made five games games by that point <laughs> but I, well, yeah that's the thing i was like this is a really early video game and i, I was like yeah i can see that because it feels like a video game in itself yeah. it totally feels like death wish the video game version fighting uh, through just, to the final boss yeah just a cheat code. streets of rage <laughs> shoot them up and yeah i for what it was 
I had a lot of fun with it. I was kind of giggling all the way through. The giggler. And yeah, I was the giggler watching <laughs> it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a strong two and a half star for me. Like, uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't bring myself to give it three stars. Yeah. It's one of those films, and there are a few ones, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but occasionally something will come along where I'm going, okay, yeah, there's nothing else to describe this but as a guilty pleasure. This is one of them. Uh, Grimsby, that's another one. Uh, the Sasha Baron Cohen film, which I resisted watching for a long, long time. I would also give two and a half stars for <laughs> two because it is trash, but I would be lying if I didn't say I laughed pretty much all the way through. <laughs> like So, yeah, this is similar one to that for me. So two and a half stars. Daryl. Yeah, um... Yeah, this is one that I, like you guys, appreciate in a comedic sense. Yeah. I'm definitely laughing at it yeah, throughout, it. throughout most of it. Um, this is a, I'd say this is a two for me. I think first time I, when I watched this back in 2014, I, I did have a blast with it. And I think I gave it three. I think I was a little bit more forgiving of Death Wishes two and three. Four and five are just toilet, like don't bother. Um but yeah, this is a two. This isn't something that I could recommend to others. And I don't believe in guilty pleasures either. Mm. Um, but this is, again, like Jeanette said, a beer and a pizza movie. This is something that you, you watch with friends and you kind of you laugh at. and you take the piss out of it. It's, yeah, it's, we, we have an affectionate phrase on our podcast where we hate fuck a film. <laughs> you know, where like, we're like the Black Christmas is a perfect example. Black Christmas 2006. Yeah. Where, the, you know, we Jeanette, Ben and I sat we with Matt and we watched. It. It mm. and we we absolutely hate fuck that film mm -hmm. from beginning to end. <laughs> hate watched it, and I wouldn't hate fuck this. No, because it's. I mean, if they were showing this at the Prince Charles or something. Oh yeah, I, if they did a run of canon films, I would I would be all over that. Yeah, if they did like an all nighter of canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. seeing this delirious at like half three in the morning. Yeah. Oh my god, sugar yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking insane. Totally no, right. amazing. But yeah, it's, it's a two. Uh, it's definitely not a three. Uh, again, because it isn't something I could I could readily recommend. No. And even like within the like within the Death Wish movies, the only good one is the first one. Absolutely. Yeah. Like two yeah. is is mean and really Ambitious mean. Vicious and yeah, nasty. Yeah, Three is a fucking ridiculous cartoon, and then four and five are like boring, almost made for TV movies. Mm -hmm. um, like, and they are dull, like incredibly dull with it as well. And I must admit. I will watch Death Wish for the Crackdown after this, <laughs> simply because the of the you, I saw you won't like it. Well, no, I saw a couple of clips on that Canon documentary, yeah. and one of the bits that I thought was from this one that I'd heard about is actually from the fourth okay. one, which also involves a sort of rocket launcher type death <laughs> right. moment. And I I thought that was within this one. And so when that moment happened at the end, I was like, oh, was that the thing that I thought it was? I swear it was different in my memory because I swear I'd seen a clip of it before. And then they showed the clip in the candle. I was like, oh, it's from four. Yeah. Right, I'm fucking... <laughs> and, it's, and it's on Netflix right now. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, wow. Death for the Crackdown. So I'm definitely going to do that. Good luck. Matt. Yeah, I mean, this is... A, a bad film <laughs> but, but it, I think it succeeds in moments of comedy yeah. better than many comedies 
and in and definitely in a they weren't trying to do this way which makes it funnier uh, <laughs> there's, there's many moments here that are five stars for all the wrong reasons it's, uh, it's what i can only assume is the peak of the franchise uh i mean the whole franchise it sounds like is a storyline that john wick has since perfected which is the yes. the wronged yeah. guy you know very different character but the wronged guy out for revenge against everybody um but this but, has but a fair crack at it like the whole point of the john wick films is like the people he's fighting are all assassins <laughs> like they're all killers they're all murderers they're all like highly trained specialized yeah. killers these are impoverished teenagers <laughs> in john, a bad john wick's the more left-wing version <laughs> <laughs> These are all poor, like poor minority gangsters in a in a like in a destitute yeah, New York. Yeah, there's a lot more sour taste stuff in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't have a lot of fun, especially with Living Room Bazooka <laughs> and my main man Plunger Thug. I love him. I love him. Um, so yeah, I, I I sort of gave it a two, but I think it's crept to two and a half for the pure enjoyment reasons and chatting it here. And I agree. I was going to say if, if the Prince Charles put something like this on, it would tear oh, the house I'm down. Fucking there, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to add it to the chalkboard like next time I'm there. Because we, um, we went to see a mystery film at the Prince Charles. Um, yeah, it was like a pound mystery film, Pound right? screening of yeah. a mystery film, and it turned out to be the original Dash Wish, oh. which I hadn't seen. It was a 35mm print as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was, so okay. it was like really fuck, grimy print, and it, it had like that brilliant soundtrack to it, yeah, yeah. and it was like, it was really dark and moody. Mm. And um, yeah, it was just a real shame when you watch all the sequels and you're just like, oh, yeah. fuck, mm. <laughs> like, they're all shit. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I wouldn't want them to do like an all-nighter of Death Wish films or something. No, just no, no. Because, no just <clears throat> canon. Just like, canon. But, yeah, like, thing, but like, yeah, you'd yeah. have your Death Wish free. You'd have Invasion USA. So you'd have a bit of Bronson in there as well. Yeah. You'd have you'd one have of the Jean-Claude Vams. You'd have one of the Michael Dudekis. Is it Michael Dudekis films? Uh, Dudikoff. The guy who did... Um, uh, American Ninja. Yeah. Right. So you'd have one of them or something you'd like that. Masters of the Universe. You know, yeah, yes. Masters of the Universe and Over the Superman, Four, Superman the for Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Blood Sport or something. Fuck it, you could have a 24 hour marathon. Of, yeah. Of, yeah. Like, I, I just, Canon, Canon is a it's very close to my heart like a lot of these movies i saw when i was a kid and i mm. didn't know obviously that they were all canon movies i think it was just the the, the age that i was born and, and brought up in um these things were like on tv or like you could get them from the video shop and stuff so like canon the literal cinema in harlow for a while was a canon cinema yeah so like, yeah because they owned loads yeah, of cinemas yeah. Yeah. They, yeah um so yeah i really enjoy a lot of, of terrible canon movies mm. Um, so yeah Prince Charles if you're listening man get on it like because you've got at least four tickets (laughs) and this is it it is such an 80s cartoon like you can't see the you know the Bruce Willis remake doing if they made another couple sequels to that doing the Death Wish 3 remake it would not be anywhere near as fun as funny as this and people would hate it people would hate it like if you had like the same uh, politics if you had like the same kind of stance it's just like yeah you were saying earlier about the 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 samurai um, you know training up the villagers and teaching them all to fight and stuff like that's a good story and you can keep making that story this one is such a product of its time (laughs) Mm. and it's just like it's such a dinosaur like in, in terms oh yeah, of... he's completely is yeah. I mean, Bronson in his leather jacket kind I mean, of represents he is a dinosaur what a dinosaur himself. this yeah. film is. <laughs> but it's weird because the politics of it are horrific, mm. and yet 
I can see past it just because it's so stupid and so silly yeah. and so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, the only bit that kind of brings it home into my brain is the horrible rape scene mm. kind of thing. Like, you know, um, but everything else. Because even, like, them fridging his would-be girlfriend in this yeah, is ridiculous. oddly comical. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's a cartoon. Like, um, it's just a right-wing cartoon. Yeah, it's it's the kind of Adam West, Batman and Robin version <laughs> yes. of Death Wish. Yes, it it's is. really garish and colourful mm. and stuff it's just yeah I uh, had a lot of fun yeah so there's there a bit where some random old guy is like just leaning out of his window and there's explosions <laughs> happening and he's just smiling and it's like <laughs> uh, it has just become available on Netflix UK today <sighs> uh, much to Matt's chagrin because <laughs> you had to pay for uh, it, had to pay I for rented it. it with human currency <laughs> Yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, so you yeah. can get if you are in the UK you can go and watch this right now for free if you've got Netflix I wouldn't recommend you do uh, well I would definitely recommend <laughs> I would say it. skip to an uh, hour in and let it get loaded I would recommend this yeah. to the right kind of person I should say that um, there's a guy uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head uh, but he hosts um, a fantastic podcast called Just The Discs which is all about new Blu-ray releases and stuff like that. And he also is one of the hosts of the Pure Cinema podcast, which is the new Beverly official um, podcast. And I follow him on Letterboxd, and he uh, had gave Death Wish 3 five stars. Point. And I really need to find like an episode of his podcast where he talks about why he gives that film five stars because ah. he hadn't written a review and I was like, I need to hear this. Because <laughs> wow. he he has seen a lot of cinema. I know he definitely has a, a penchant for kind of like some hardcore genre movie trash. Going, like, I bet so he tries be... to get it screened at the New Beverly. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, <laughs> hey, I think Tarantino would be all over oh, yeah. Death Wish 100%. This, is, this has got Tarantino recommends all over it. <laughs> uh, right, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on you Facebook, can. Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, leave us a five star review um, over on Apple Podcasts and uh, send us an email if you want. Uh, if you're the guy who gave Death Wish Free five stars, <laughs> please send me an email. I need to know why. why. Uh, yeah, what's do... your favorite part of Death Wish Free, people? Yeah. Tell yeah, us. What, what's your favorite chapter of the Death Wish saga? Is it Death Wish 5 <laughs> in 1994 with what fucking 75 year old Bronson by that point? Jesus Christ. Um, guys, where can we find you? You can find us at SDD Film Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, and yeah, podcast is available basically in all places where you can yeah, find podcasts. Sudden Double pod- Deep. On all podcatchers, yeah. yeah. You can find me uh, and our co-host, who's not with us today, but our co-host Benjamin. Um, you can find us on Twitter. He is at BenjiBox with a Y. He's also on Letterboxd as well, um, as are you. Um, but yeah, you can find mm. me on Twitter at Miss J Soundtrack. What are some of your recent Triple Bill episodes? Uh, Christmas. Uh, yeah, we had our Christmas <laughs> episode. So we did the Muppet Christmas Carol. We did um, the remake of Black Christmas. It's utter shit. <laughs> uh, and we did... Arthur Christmas. Arthur Christmas. Prior to that well, was The Fly. So we did Superfly, uh, the 1986 The Fly, mm-hmm. and Fly Away Home. Mm-hmm. 
So our podcast is, um, it's the, the Triple Bill title podcast. So we, we pick a word or somebody picks a word for us and, um, and we pick three films with that word in the title and we review them. Sometimes hate fuck them, uh, but other times we quite like them. So Yeah, I mean, we've had you guys on several times now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and started way back, way back on a deeper episode where we covered a... Was it McCoy? McCoy, What's it yeah. called? It was a, Fear it was in the a, Night. Fear yes. in the Night. An old yeah. black and white mm-hmm. film. And very then young we had Liam guested on and picked the word once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That so was a strong episode. Man. Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon One a Time in China. Films. Yes. And Once. <laughs> yes. And yeah. uh, we had Matt on for our brother's triple bill, mm-hmm. which oh, yes. was... Uh, the Blues Brothers, <laughs> yes. Brothers Bloom, yes. and Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Yes. Yeah. So um um and uh, we we're currently having Matt on um quite frequently actually Ooh, yeah. as as a very gracious guest host um, and at some point we've got to have Paul on yeah, yes. so what, we, well, yeah. What, what we want to do is kind of do a proper crossover with all, with all uh, everyone because yep. Paul and Ben are always the ones who are the stragglers who we can't oh. uh, get on and we want to do like a proper crossover going, well you like, know yeah. selfish um, motherfuckers having families and you know but, living a nice life you can currently hear us on Sunday Deep uh, talking about Kingdom of Spiders yes starring Captain Kirk himself William <laughs> Shatner so that's almost like an additional spotlight of the movie you can go listen to right now we'll try and release these at like the same time cool. and do a kind of yeah cross crossover type thing but we will do a proper full on one at some totally. point I think 100%. we've got six mics haven't we we can certainly do we six mics yeah. oh, there are you. six mics <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having us on thank you oh, yeah. a pleasure thank you guys as always keep the streets clean of crime people <laughs> goodbye <laughs>